to speak. I was in the meeting, just sitting there, and I was reminded of something that happened to me at work. I'm a health and safety officer, so I do fire drills. Um, and, you know, it's great fun because you can lock off corridors and put flame you know, pictures of flames, and so everyone likes having coffee and you trip it, and you don't tell anyone. It's great fun to see them all panic. Uh, but I always remember, it came back to me after the Lord reminded me of one fire drill where I did this, and... Um, uh, I'm a fire marshal. I went around checking all the rooms. Bells ringing really loud. And I go in one room, there's a woman on the telephone. Uh, her name was Emma. She was on the mobile phone having a chat. And she was just chatting away, and the bells were ringing. <laughs> and I looked at her, sort of incredulously, and sort of gave her a glare, and she went, oh, oh, oh. And she put the phone down and went out. I don't know why the Lord brought that back to me, but I just think that there are people who God is trying to speak to, he's trying to warn them, but they're sort of successfully ignoring him, a bit like the fire bell. And they fill their ear with something else, some, I don't know, I mean in this case it was a phone call, but you know, they, they fill their ear with a distraction to make them feel better and to ignore the persistent voice of the Holy Spirit who is calling them and warning them of their need of, to respond to God. So I'll just leave that story with you. Um, we, we need to recognize and believe that God is a God who speaks. I mean, I trust some people just don't believe that God can speak to them. And some people, my, my dad would be one of them, would claim that God is distant and not interested in us. But really, when you make God a distant God... What you're really doing is you're helping your conscience to ignore what may be going on deep down. If you, if you say, God is a, I'm going to change God, God's going to be, he's a distant God, he's not interested in me and how I live, then it kind of helps you cope with not living as God would perhaps want you to live. You get people that call them the God alterers. You get people that make God into Mother Nature. Oh, he's a Mother Nature, nice and fluffy. And you get people who are atheists. Say, so God isn't there at all. And really, they may genuinely believe that, but I, I do think sometimes it's, they do it because it helps them cope with that quiet sense of guilt or that quiet sense of something's not quite right. God is a God who speaks. And I, I want to tell you, he's here this morning and he wants to speak to you because he loves you. He died for you. And if you will be open... You can hear him speak to you this morning. I've been to Thailand a couple of times, and Pete came with me and others, and I remember seeing a big statue of a Buddha, a big golden Buddha. And I always remember looking at it and thinking, this thing can't speak. This thing is dumb. Not being offended, not trying to offend anyone, but you know, it does say in scripture, just quickly, it says in Psalm 115, you don't need to turn to it, 115, Psalm 115, it says, um, verse 3, Our God is in heaven, he does what pleases him. But the idols are silver and gold, made by the hands of men. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see, ears but cannot hear, 
Noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but cannot feel. Feet that cannot walk. They cannot utter a sound with their throats. Those who make them will be like them. And so will all who trust in them. But isn't it good news this morning that God speaks? He's a speaking, living God. But as I say, one great skill of human beings is they're able to ignore the voice of God. Or they hear it, but they suppress it. It reminds me of a funny story, I will just quickly tell you this, about a president of the United States called, uh, what was his name, Roosevelt. Roosevelt, not Trump. (laughs) FDR Roosevelt, I think he was alive around the Second World War. And he got really fed up with these big receptions at the White House, because at the White House you get people coming to you and shaking your hand and saying, good morning, Mr. President, you know, and they don't, he would say something And he, after a while, realised that many of these diplomats weren't actually listening to anything he said. It was all pleasantries. So he he decided to try a trick, because he had a wicked sense of humour. He decided he would pick a few people, and every time they shook his hand, good morning, Mr. President, he would say, I murdered my grandmother this morning, and smile. And people would shake his hand, and he would say, I murdered my grandmother this morning, and they'd go, oh, well done, Mr. President, and they'd walk off. Someone went up to him and he said, I murdered my grandmother this morning. And someone said, keep up the good work, Mr. President. (laughs) He couldn't believe it. This is supposedly a true story. I I don't think it's an urban legend, but there was one diplomat that listened. The diplomat from Bolivia came up to him and shook him by the hand and said, good morning, Mr. President. He said, I murdered my grandmother this morning. And the diplomat leaned forward and said, well, I'm sure she had it coming. (laughs) He is the only one who listened. And the point is, Are we listening to God? How does God speak? Well, there are many ways God speaks. We're going to look at how he speaks through the Holy Spirit in a moment, but there are ways that God speaks, perhaps using various means, such as through your conscience, as I said, sense of right or wrong. We've all been given a sense of right or wrong. God can speak through our conscience. God can speak through love. You know, I, I was, another quick funny story, and then I must get serious. <laughs> I, I know of a Christian who used to put the wheelie bin out for his neighbour. When it was bin day, he'd put out the wheelie bin for himself, and then he'd put out the wheelie bin for his non-Christian neighbour. Because he kept doing it, the non-Christian neighbour got interested, So you're so kind to me, can I understand why you're kind? And they got talking about Jesus. And this Christian man said proudly one day, he said... Um, I'm a wheelie good Christian. Get it? Sorry. A wheelie good Christian. Anyway. But God can speak through the creation. I know stories of missionaries that have gone to some random jungle, preached about Jesus, and some of the natives have said, we knew something of this from looking at the creation. God can speak through your wife. (laughs) Oh dear, that's really scary. But God can speak through people, you know, other believers. God can speak through a multitude of ways, even through suffering. You know, God, pain sometimes can be God's megaphone to wake us up. I'm not saying always, but God can use it. But the main way God speaks is through his spirit, either in your heart or perhaps through the Bible, the scripture, the word of God. 
may be spoken by someone or when you read the Bible. But often I've found that the the voice of God is like a whisper. God doesn't shout at you any more than a good husband should shout at his wife. We are the wife of Christ. He whispers in your heart. But it's very easy to ignore the gentle, nagging voice. It's not a nagging, that's not the right word, but persistent voice. Um, One writer said that the voice of the Holy Spirit is like a summer breeze. It's like the breeze out there today. It's very quiet, but, but it's there. And can easily be quenched, crushed, got rid of for a while. But we all will have to face God's speakings. We will be judged. We will be judged on what we've heard and what we've done with it. There, will, there is coming a day of judgment. People don't like this. There is a day of judgment, and you'll be judged based on what you know, what you've heard. Okay, what kind of things does the Holy Spirit speak about? Well, I'm going to look at a few things in a moment, but my basic answer is he will speak about any area of your life, anything. He will educate you down to the finest details. I mean, in our family at the moment, we feel that through a, a, a man called Bernard Harlow visited, but we felt it from God, a way of handling our children. The, the Holy Spirit can teach you how to raise your kids. So what we do now every night, we read a Narnia story with Lydia, and we find that by reading with her, it's, it's having an effect on her. Because Karina will agree, won't you, that she's been quite a rebel lately. But we felt the Lord leading us to you know, read this book with her. So he can teach you about raising your family. He can teach you about dealing with difficult people at work. You know, it's easy to fly off the handle. It's easy to go, you know, like this, you know, default moan. But the Holy Spirit, if you're open, can teach you how to handle a difficult person. I work with difficult people, <laughs> not just in the church, no, uh, but at work. And uh, when we went to India in January, the pastor there, he told me about um, some aggressive people in the, in the country who were attacking his, what he was doing. They were a militant um, Hindu, not the nice ones, but the aggressive ones. And they were um, attacking, and he felt the Holy Spirit tell him two things. Don't call the police and ask them about their family. So whenever they got threatened by a guy with a machete or something, the pastor said to me, he said, we asked them how's their family, how are your family? We show them love and we never go to the police. And they've stopped. They've, they've um, just backed down listening to the Spirit. See, people don't realise God can speak to you about any area of your life. He could tell you to make one phone call. You might think that's not much. Well, Bill Hybels, uh, uh, some of you know him, not personally, but he's a great preacher in America. He said he has known people who've been saved by one phone call or one letter. God can speak on uh, various areas of our lives. Um. Can I just say one good piece of news, though? You don't need to be clever. 
You don't need to have a theology degree like Pat. You don't need to be a Bible... No, he hasn't really. But I think you did get one, didn't you? Some exam. But you don't have to be... No, lots and lots about the Bible for God to speak to you. You don't have to be clever. You can be, forgive me for saying it, you can be as thick as a brick. And God can speak to you. Because what the Holy Spirit does, he, goes, he reaches past all your academic qualifications and your books and your study, and he speaks to your heart. It says in the Bible, I will allure my people into the wilderness, and I will, some versions say, I will speak to her heart. Isn't that good news? You don't have to be clever. You don't have to know everything that Paul Cross knew when he was here. You, know, you don't have to know everything. The key is, are you listening? Will you be open? Uh, I've got a friend who is now in heaven. His name was Norman Mays. He had no qualifications. He went to a special needs school. He came out with no exams. He wasn't bright. He used to forget what car he came in. He used to go to work with two ties on because he'd put one tie on and forget and put another one on and people would laugh at him. He went into ladies' toilets. That was so embarrassing. I was with him at, in the airport at Rome and he went into a ladies' loo and all the ladies screamed because he, he just got it wrong. But God called him to preach and he preached all around the world. God used a man with no qualifications. That's good news for some of us, <laughs> uh, for me, because I don't, I've got that many. Um, and one day, Norman Mays was a porter in a hospital, and he was walking across the, the grounds at night. He, one of his jobs was um, putting out dead bodies. <clears throat> and he just put out a dead body for, to be collected, and um, he was walking across the grounds, and God spoke to him. He didn't know Jesus, he wasn't a Christian. But he heard the voice of God calling him. And he recognized it was God's voice. You know? I'm going to get practical in a moment, talk a bit practically, but I just want to encourage you that God is a God who speaks. And you don't have to be clever. And he speaks in many ways if you'll be open to hear him. We heard this morning that love is here, face to face with us. The speaking God. Okay? Just quickly then, some of the very basic things that God will speak to us about. I want to read to you from the Bible again in John chapter 16. <clears throat> and we're going to look at verse 8. Sorry, verse 7 to start with. This is Jesus speaking about the Holy Spirit and some of the things he speaks about and does. Jesus said this, John 16 verse 7. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counsellor will not come to you. He's the Holy Spirit. But if I go, I will send him to you. So it's actually quite good Jesus isn't here physically. You know, a man with a beard. He's not, because he, otherwise the Spirit of God could not be here. Speaking all over the world to different Christians. It says, when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin, righteousness, and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. That's something the Holy Spirit will focus on, believing in Christ. In regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, where you can see me no longer, 
and in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world stands condemned. Then he says in verse 13, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears. See, he's a speaking God. He will speak. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking what is mine and making it known to you. And it also says in verse 26 of chapter 15, these words, The Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And what I'm trying to say is there are some very basic things that the Holy Spirit speaks. He is, if you like, someone who testifies. You know if you've seen an accident, I don't know if you've ever seen an accident, you may have been asked to be a witness. You tell the police what happened. Well, the Holy Spirit, who is God the Spirit, he comes to witness to you. To say, this is real. This is the truth. He's like a witness. He's not, God isn't asking you to just believe any old you know, rubbish and just do what your friends say or believe what your mama tells you, your dad tells you. What he's asked, what God is not that. He's not going to treat us like that. He's sent the testifier, the one to witness to you and me. This is true. And if you're open, you will hear the Holy Spirit witnessing to you this the truth of who Jesus is. And you can't argue someone into it. I mean, Karina knows I often try and argue with my dad. And she always tells me off. She says, stop arguing with him. Just pray for him. Because <laughs> the Holy Spirit is the one who testifies in your heart, this is the truth. And he testifies about three areas. One, he starts to show you that you're lost. You know, mankind is lost. Mankind is lost. They don't think they're lost. But mankind is lost. It says it in the Bible that man is lost. What does that mean, lost? It just means he's disconnected from his creator. Tozer, a, a man of God, said um, that man is like man without Jesus is like a, a guy who's lost in a forest wandering around. You've ever been lost in a forest? I don't know if you've ever been lost anywhere. You, you just can't find your way out. But he's not only lost physically like that, he's also lost on the inside. So I want you to imagine a man in a forest who's wandering around, completely lost, who's also got amnesia. and can't remember where he was a few minutes ago. You imagine that. Or, I don't know, amnesia or Alzheimer's, something like that, where you're in a forest, you're lost already, and then your brain forgets everything anyway. But, and you sort of... But God loves men and women. You see, the thing is, God loves those people. They're lost, but they're not forsaken. God hasn't forgotten them. He hasn't forgotten them. He hasn't forsaken them. That's why the Spirit comes. That's why Jesus died, to reach these people who are lost uh, in, 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 out there in the world. Um, just to quickly tell you my story, um, I was lost. Uh, I was... a uh, I went to a carnival when I was a teenager, or late early 20s, a carnival. Wasn't thinking about God one iota. 
And I was watching a carnival, you know, carnival is all about flesh and, you know, carn, carnival. I was watching a carnival and this person wandered up to me and gave me a tract about Jesus Christ. I wasn't looking. I didn't know I was lost. But read it and, and God started to speak to me. Um, the Holy Spirit will speak and reveal where you really are. That's the first. He'll speak where you are. You know, he'll say, you're not where you think you are. You think you're having a great time. You're actually, you're lost. You're far lost, more lost than you think. What the Holy Spirit will do, he'll make you start to realize that you're in a wilderness. You're in a wilderness. In the Bible, it says that God's voice cries in the wilderness. God's voice will cry in the wilderness. He'll make you come to a place where you feel like, actually, my job isn't satisfying me. Actually, my big money pay packet isn't satisfying me. Actually, my new car isn't satisfying me. Actually, there's something missing. I'm in a wilderness. I'm not in that place of fulfillment. God speaks to hearts in the desolate places. Who will listen? Let's just uh, turn to you one scripture to show this. Um, how the Lord reveals that we're actually living in a wilderness and we're actually lost. In Luke chapter 3 verses 1 to 2. Um, I hope I'm making sense. But I felt the Lord reminded me of this verse. It concerns when God spoke to a man you've probably heard of called John the Baptist. And it's very interesting where God spoke to him. Because you get a list at the beginning of Luke chapter 3 of all these people in wealthy places. You get Tiberius Caesar, who lived in a big palace. You get Pontius Pilate, who was the governor of Judea, who lived in a palace. You get Herod, the king, who lived in a palace. He was all wealthy, money, everything. You get Philip who was another leader living in a palace. Then you get Annas and Caiaphas, the priests, and they lived in the temple, you know, or near the temple. And then, what does it say? But the word of God came to John, that's John the Baptist, in the desert. God will speak to you when you come to an end of yourself. All the time you think, oh, I've got it all together, I'm fine, everything, it's harder for God to speak to you. But when you start to realise where you are you start to hear the voice crying in the wilderness because God speaks in the desolate places of human hearts who will listen the second thing God speaks about um, is Jesus says he will speak about me testify of me you will come to the place where you realise Jesus is the son of God um, you say, Simon, how do you know Jesus is the Son of God? Well, I, I, it might sound arrogant. I just say, I just know. <laughs> I can't help. I just know. I had a friend of mine um, who lives in Exeter, and he was going down the stairs in his house one day, got up in the morning. He'd been seeking God. He wasn't a Christian. He was going down the stairs in his house one day, and halfway down the stairs, he stopped, and he said, I just knew that Jesus was God's Son. The Spirit revealed who Jesus is. This is these very basic things I'm saying. He'll reveal that we're in a wilderness. He'll reveal who Jesus is. And the last main area that he will reveal about is sin. 
he will make known the reality of sin. It says in this passage um, in John 16, he will convict of guilt in regard to sin, righteousness and judgment. That might sound heavy, but you see, a lot of people, they don't feel, oh, sin, oh, that's old-fashioned. Sin is an old idea, you know, we can do what we like now. We can, don't need to follow these old-fashioned rules. But the truth is, the Holy Spirit's job, one of his jobs is to convict you of righteousness, sin, and judgment. And I want to just tell you my testimony. I was a university student at Exeter, thought I was clever, did weightlifting and got all muscly and wasted a lot of my time. But I heard the gospel and it took three years. I, I resisted, I resisted, I resisted this still small call of God. I resisted this whisper that I'll be talking about for three years. But on the third year, God was gracious to me. I didn't die before then. I remember going downstairs in my pyjamas um, as you do in the night, <laughs> in my pyjamas, down into the... I was in a hall of residence called Marden Hall. And I remember going down the stairs at night and going into a, a disabled toilet. Don't ask me why I did this, but I went in there, shut the door, lay on the floor in this loo and wet my heart out. And all the reason I can tell you is this. I just knew, I can't explain it, I knew that Christ was calling me and I knew if I said no, if I turned my, I said no, if I said no long enough, I knew that, that would, I, I would be lost forever. I don't know, I can't explain it, I just knew. I felt like, this might sound a bit heavy, but I felt like I was lying the side of a big eternal grave. And it was just, it, God was saying, make your choice. Make your choice. You see, what the Holy Spirit does, he brings you to a place of choice. A crossroads a parting of the ways where you can go left or right, a divide, a great divide where you can say, like we sang, yes, Lord, or no, Lord. Now, God was kind. He gave me three years. And in the end, I said, yes, Lord. I never regretted it. But I don't know if you believe, God will bring you to that place of choice, that narrow crossroads. And then if you obey God, he'll fill you with his spirit. You'll become fresh inside. You'll, you'll hear him even more. You'll know that what you were thinking of is true. If you disobey God and say, no, stuff that, you'll become cold. You'll become distant. The voice will become quieter. And you won't hear as well as before. I, I really would encourage you, if any of you, have, I mean, you, this might not apply to you, but if any of you are in that crossroads where you, you, you know the Lord's calling you and you're sort of putting up reasons, say yes to God. Um, you won't regret it. Um, you know, sometimes when you come to these crossroads, there's an element of what I call risk. There's like an element of risk, like a scary Lord. If I make this decision and really give myself to you, it's, it's, I'm, what are my friends going to think? What, there's an element of risk. But you know, 
God is faithful. He'll never let you down. If you cast, go, go God's way, he, he will not let you down. Um, when I was uh, in this place, God was speaking to me about uh, my weightlifting as one thing. I, I was into lots and lots of weightlifting and I was taking steroids. And God was saying to me, I want you to give that up for me. Give your life to me. And I was scared because I thought um, people are going to laugh at me. I've been talking about weightlifting for three years. My friends down the gym are going to laugh at me. But God was saying, no, trust me. And when I did, there was no mockery. There was peace. And the friends, actually, who I did go and talk to down the... I went to the gym. I had to go back to the gym and tell them. They, 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 they said, we really respect you for doing this. And I was like, what? I thought you'd laugh at me. There is a man in the Bible whose name was Philip. I'll just quickly tell you about him. God sent him off into the desert and God told him to go up to a chariot that he saw. I don't know if you remember that story. Philip was in the desert and God had told him to go to this chariot. There was a chariot with all these soldiers because God wanted him to speak to the man on the chariot. And the Spirit of God said, go to that chariot. And actually, that was quite a risky thing to do because if you went running up to a chariot in the desert do you know what the common practice was it was the, the guy in the chariot was meant to tell the soldiers kill that man cut him down so philip god's told him go up he's in the middle of the desert go and t- go run up run up to that chariot so off he goes knowing that this could cost him his life But God didn't let him be cut down. God had a purpose. If the Spirit is telling you to do something which seems risky or stupid or crazy, just do it. Philip wasn't cut down by the soldiers. He managed to lead a a person to Jesus. The Spirit of God uh, is, I don't know, I just wanted to say that about if you're facing that kind of place at the moment. You may not be, but if you are. Or in the future if you do. Go God's way. The other quick thing I want to say is this. Because people think God is aloof from their suffering. Sometimes people think that God isn't interested when they suffer and they shake their fist at God and they say, God, why are you letting this happen to me? If only you knew. And they don't think God can speak to them in their suffering. Well, I tell you, God can speak to you in your suffering. He can speak to you in your fiery furnace, your trial. And um, it says in the Bible that he comforts those who are in tribulation. He comforts those who are in tribulation. Um, I just want to give a quick testimony. I feel to tell testimonies today. Um, I was going through a very difficult time, a particular situation which I won't bore you with. But I was going through this very difficult time. And as I was driving home from work, I felt God... Speak to me in it. He reminded me of Paul the Apostle, not that I'm Paul the Apostle, who prayed three times for something to be taken away. It was a suffering in his life. He prayed three times for it to be taken away, and God said no. And God said to him, My grace is sufficient for you. And We don't know what it was that Paul prayed about. He calls it a thorn in the flesh. Okay, I don't know what it was. Some people think it was the fact that 
Everywhere he went, whenever he preached, you get a load of Jews following him, telling him that, telling people that he was wrong. Some people think the thorn in the flesh was the fact that everywhere he went to preach, all these Jews would follow him and tell him or tell others, this man's talking rubbish. And he, would, he prayed that God would stop it, but God didn't. God left it like a thorn that stayed in him. And I don't know, are you in a situation, I don't know, maybe you're in a situation where there's something in your life that you really, really wish wasn't there, but it's still there. <laughs> I said, I really, really wish God would take that splinter out, <laughs> or thorn. We, we've got a situation at the moment, haven't we, Karina, at home. We, our, our little middle daughter, Becca, she's got a big splinter in her toe. And um, we, we can't get it out <laughs> at the moment, anyway. John might be able to get it out later with a scalpel. But we tried last night to get the splinter out of her toe and she screamed, screamed. It sounded like we were murdering her. We tried the night before. You know, we tried putting her in a bath to soften the toe up and tried to get it and it won't come out. And why am I saying this? Sometimes God will leave something in your life. You say, please take it away. And the Lord says, my grace is sufficient. And you... And this is what God spoke to me, right, as I was driving home. And you might think I'm crazy, but I definitely feel God said this. He gave me the picture of an oyster. Am I right? <laughs> Don't know if you ever eat oysters. But an oyster, right, an oyster, when it gets something in its shell that's an irritant, that doesn't go away, what it does, it turns it into a pearl. It gets the, the thing that's suffering it, because the oysters, they're very sensitive, you get a bit of sand in there, and what it does, it coats it with a pearl and it turns it into a jewel. Every pearl that you ladies have, if you have lots of pearls, they all started as a bit of grit annoying an oyster. And God showed me, if you respond to God in the right way, in a situation, he can make something precious out of it. You might say, get rid of it. But God says, my grace for you. I'm going to turn that into a pearl. Now that might sound difficult, but just telling you what I felt the Lord. God can remove things, of course. Maybe he will later, but the problem, the point is, the Holy Spirit can speak to you in your suffering. But some people don't listen. They don't listen to the Holy Spirit in their suffering. All they do is they moan on about, poor me, poor me, not fair, not fair rather than listening to what maybe the Spirit is saying. Okay, let's get really practical a minute, and then I've got one last thing. How do you listen to the Spirit? You just wake up in the morning, what do you do? Make a coffee so you don't fall asleep. I just want to give you three, this might sound silly, three words beginning with E-A-R, ear. You know like the word ear? E-A-R, just to help you remember something I've said. Right, E. E stands for examine yourself. Examine. What I mean by that is, have you done the last thing God told you to do? You may not know what God said, that's fine. But if you know there's something, have you, have, examine, have E, have you done the last thing? Because if you haven't done the last thing God said, then, well, he may be gracious and talk to you again, but the point is, why should he if you won't do the other thing? Um, I always remember when God told Abraham 
to circumcise his uh, tribe or family. And it, after God said, circumcise all your males, it says in the Bible that God went up from him. God went up from Abraham. And what I think that means is that God spoke to him and said, right, now I'm going to go away and see if you do it. <laughs> I don't think he left Abraham, but he, God, he told him and then he went away. And almost expecting Abraham to do it. And I think if Abraham hadn't bothered to do it, if he hadn't bothered to circumcise anyone, well, God would have maybe come back and said the same thing again, but he wouldn't have carried on to do the other things. So, E, examine yourself. If you say, I can't hear God, well, try and think, have you done what you feel maybe God told you to do before? The other thing for examining yourself is what you feel God may be saying, is it, is it giving you peace? I don't mean in your head, but in your heart, down here, or in your guts even. Uh, because God speaks by peace. It says, let the peace of Christ rule. So God might tell you to do something, and your head might be panicking. You might be thinking, oh, am I going to do that? How's the money? Where's the money going to come from? Oh, where's the money going to come from? But in your heart, in your gut, there's peace. That's a good sign that God is leading you. Karina felt to give up her job, and we lost a lot of money. She felt to do it for the children. And we both looked at the figures and thought, this is, this is Irish. No offence if you're Irish, by the way. This is crazy. Our end's going to meet. But we felt in our gut, peace. So we did it. And then God provided. So don't listen so much to your head. Your head will be like saying, oh, it's not going to work. But your gut, what's your gut saying? And if your gut is saying, mm, stop this, if you're getting a funny dis-piece, mm, not in your head, but down here, then call a halt. Now, in my life, just to again give you testimony, in my life, there have been times when I've obeyed that prompt and other times when I've disobeyed. And if you disobey that prompt in your gut, you can have consequences for years sometimes. But God is faithful. God is faithful. Um, very quickly, sorry if I'm a bit long here. If you go on a ship, sometimes you've got to look at, you know, you've got the ship's compass. But do you know, some parts of the world, the compass, you can't trust it. Because if you go, for instance, near Australia or near Tasmania, there are rocks under the sea which have magnet, magnetic rocks. And if a ship goes near them, the compass on the ship, which you've been trusting in, starts to go like this. And you think, oh, okay, and you follow it. And then people have had shipwrecks because all they relied on was their own compass. And what they trained them to do in shipping, because my dad was in the Navy, just to let you know, they train them to look at the compass, but also to look at, is there, are there magnetic rocks around here? Because if there are, we're not going to just look at the compass, but we're going to look to the stars, we're going to look at the trees and the hills, we're going we're to take an extra reading. And sometimes in our life, we can follow our own desires, like the compass, follow our own thoughts, follow our own patterns. But, if, but sometimes the Holy Spirit may say, don't trust that. Don't trust just your own compass. Listen. The Holy Spirit can spare you from hitting those um, magnetic rocks. He can spare you from shipwreck. 
So anyway, E, examine. A, E-A-R, ear, yeah? A, alone. Get alone with God. What I mean by that is, you've got to get quiet. I know uh, people who keep the radio on all day long to keep them company. The TV all day long to blot out any sense of conscience. They hate being quiet. I know John tells me sometimes in the church, he loves it when there's a quiet period sometimes. <laughs> Probably hoping I'll be quiet in a minute. <laughs> but quietness, because God can, in the stillness, you see when God speaks, it's often like the dew, the dew forming on the grass. It's, it's gentle, it's in the stillness. The Holy Spirit is a gentle uh, voice. Um, he's like the dove that gently comes. And if you're running around left, right and centre, you can't hear. There's too much noise going on. You've got to get quiet with your Bible. I recommend, and I've been learning, that when you read your Bible, don't just read it once, the passage, but read it a few times and just enjoy it. Don't try and understand it, just enjoy it. Just read it. Just enjoy it. Don't worry if you don't get anything. Don't worry if you don't get a great thought. Just read it, enjoy it. And in the stillness, God will drop the dew. Um, so get alone. There's a story in the Bible of Paul the Apostle when he went to see a, a, a lady called Lydia. I'll just quickly read you this verse. It says, On the Sabbath, Paul went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. And that verse spoke to me that they went outside of all the noise, all the city, all the noise of the city. They went out away from all the noise to a place of quiet. And the last letter, R, is relationships. So we said examine your heart, get alone, but also have relationships. Because if you stay alone all the time, like in a cave trying to hear God, you'll end up being a weirdo. You will. People who go alone you know, for, for months or you know, weeks, and that's not possible really for us, but they can go a bit odd. Whereas if you're in relationship, like, you know, if I get a crazy idea, I'll talk to John, at least I hope I will, um, and he'll, he'll might, you know, say, well, that's a good idea or that's silly. You know, I might talk to Paul Cross, who, who um, I had dinner with him recently, um, I might talk to Pat and Mark, I might talk to, particularly my wife, she's very good at spotting stupid ideas. Um, but be in relationship with Christians, relationship, relationship, because through that you'll get a feel of what is the Spirit really saying. <clears throat> That's a bit basic, but those are my three little uh, examples. Examine yourself, get alone, relationship. And the last thing I want to say, and then I will finish, is this is quite a serious truth. There are people who resist the spirit. Pat read at the beginning, he said, don't harden your heart. And I'll tell you why you shouldn't harden your heart, because there is a scary bit to this. If you continually harden your heart to God, in the end, God will harden your heart and that sounds not very loving, but there's a story in the Bible of Pharaoh. Pharaoh, you remember him, um, when Moses was trying to escape out of Egypt with God's people, and it says that Pharaoh hardened his heart. 
You keep reading the story, it says Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart. But if you keep reading, it then says, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. There are people who resist the Spirit so often and so long that he stops talking to them. They grow deaf. And their heart dies. And it's very tragic to be a walking dead person. I'm sure there are some in Orpington today. God spoke to them time and time again and they hardened their heart. And now they feel quite comfortable now. They feel quite blessed. They feel happy. God stopped talking to them. I feel fine now. They're, they're enjoying their stuff. They're enjoying their life, thinking it's all fine. But God stopped speaking to them. They became dead men. And do you remember the story, just quickly, and then we will finish, um, about this, of when Jesus stood before King Herod? I don't know if you know that story. Um, I'll just read very quickly. When Jesus stood before King Herod, in Luke 23, verse 9, it says, When Herod saw Jesus, he was pleased, because for a long time he'd been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about Jesus, he hoped to see Jesus perform a miracle. He asked him many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. And the reason he, Jesus didn't speak to him was because he had hardened his heart long ago. He had cut off the head of the one man who was telling him God's word, which was John the Baptist. He had cut off his... John the Baptist had tried to talk to Herod about what God wanted, and he had cut his head off. Don't want, I'm not going to listen to that. So when Jesus appeared to him, Jesus didn't say a word. I just want to warn you, in love, don't harden your heart, because if you do, do it long enough, God will harden your heart. And it will take a real miracle to get you. <laughs> okay?